0: Good afternoon. Wednesday edition of the Steve Jones Show. News Radio 1070 WKOK and Sean Carey. Steve will be checking in from the Sunbury Motors studio in just a moment. Sunbury Motors Ford Lincoln Hyundai in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury. And Sunbury Motors Kia on the Strip Routes 11 and 15 in Hummels Wharf. Get in contact with us anytime. Our email is stevejones@wkok.com. at wkok.com. find us on social media, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, Twitter handle at stevejonespsu, and our website is stevejonesshow.com. You'll find three months of shows archived there on the podcast page. And speaking of the podcast, you can subscribe to ours, and when you do, the show will drop right to your smartphone and tablet by 6 p.m. each Monday through Friday and you can subscribe on either the apple podcast app itunes or google play and a nice little show put together for you today sean morris the terrific analyst college basketball analyst for btn was all over the tournament last week in madison square garden not only at the table doing color analyst work but also uh, in-game color analyst work but of course uh a studio analyst as well. Uh, scheduled to join us at 335. That was a last-second booking, so really great that he's carving out time again for us on the show. Charles Davis from NFL Network and Fox Sports. Charles spending tons and tons of time last week at the NFL Scouting Combine. We'll get his take on Saquon Barkley and the other Penn State stars that crushed it in Indy. And also, we'll see if we can get some information on Charles on uh, some breaking news Regarding the Philadelphia Eagles, they have pulled off a trade with the Seattle Seahawks that'll send Seahawks defensive end Michael Bennett to the Philadelphia Eagles. Eagles, How about that? The rich
2: get richer. Man, oh man! If you're an Eagles fan right now, you're looking around saying, "Okay, pinch me. Does it get any better than this?" I mean, we're out there and we're getting better.
0: But I found this stat about Bennett last uh, from last season. Eight and a half sacks last year, 24 quarterback hits, and overall in the NFL that ranked 10th, and that was higher than anyone on the Eagles team last year.
2: <laughs> Other than that, hey, ben, and Bennett knows how to play in big games, too. There's another guy that's a big game player. He knows. Yeah, Eagles are getting oh. uh, Bennett and a seventh rounder.
0: The Seahawks get Philadelphia wide receiver Marcus Johnson and a 2018 fifth-round
2: pick. Yep. Seventh-round pick. Okay, great. Well, that's... <sighs> hey, again, teams are trying to make things fit under the cap. Let's be honest about it. The Steelers have a huge problem right now. Not a small problem, a huge problem. The Le'Veon Bell thing is more than just buying time. They've got problems with this negotiation. And here's the biggest problem they have. Bell is the highest cap hit of anybody, uh, of any running back. The second highest cap hit of any running back is LaShawn McCoy of the Bills, $8.95 million. That $8.95 million. All right, Bell's cap hit is five million dollars higher than the second place guy. The Steelers can't can't afford to do this. Wait, I mean, look. Let's be honest about it. Okay, there are a wide range of things that can happen here. A, they reach an agreement and it's friendly for the team and Bell gets his money, but it's front loaded with bonuses, things like that. Okay, that can definitely happen. B, he can do the franchise tag thing. Oh, and he has up until week, what, 10 or 11 of the season to come back and play and get money? Okay.
0: I believe the day is July the 16th that the Steelers have to uh, work with him exclusively to get that deal.
2: Right. Or, in late May, the Steelers can cut him. And don't rule that out free agency is going to tell you something and the draft might tell you something not words you wanted to hear by the way you the
0: steelers what? and antonio brown uh antonio brown has restructured his contract yes. to uh right. had ha- take a little uh you know tension off that cap space so
2: right but he gets the same money though
0: yes he converted right. his base salary and roster bonus into a signing bonus.
2: And that's what he's been able to do. He's been able to go out, restructure, where he still gets the same money he was getting before. Same money he was getting before. But it's structured in such a way where it helps the team out.
0: That actually turns into more guaranteed money for Brown. actually works out great for both.
2: Yeah, it does. No question. No question. And uh, so you go from there. Uh, We're going to have Sean Morris on today, Charles Davis on today, Joe Rutter on today talking about the Steelers' problems with Le'Veon Bell. And it's, it's a problem. I mean, the cap hit is huge at the moment, which is too much for anybody to observe. I mean, no team can absorb that kind of cap hit based on the rules. Just can't. Also, the financial numbers came out for Penn State today. Well, the financial numbers for the NCAA came out. For the first time ever, the NCAA goes over a billion in revenue. 1.06 billion. In part because of the $716 million that... Um, they get from CBS-TBS. The NCAA was in the black by $105 million. Not a small number. Now, Penn State put out its financial numbers today. So what do you want to know first? First of all, Penn State ends up I mean, there are more expenses than ever because now they're doing cost of attendance in the summer. Uh, More fueling stations, uh, nutrition stations like that along the way. Plus, you're putting money back into facilities. Uh, But more revenue came in, too. You know, more Nittany Lion Club donations, more tickets being sold in, in football than ever before. So here you go. So, what numbers do you want to know first?
0: Well, usually the three we dial in on quite a bit, like football, and then basketball and wrestling. Usually those top three, or uh, I mean, hockey, men's ice hockey. Usually those top three. And okay, sport for sport. That's what you had. Okay. Sport per sport, right?
2: Yep. Football brought in eighty-one point two million, according to this, and expenditures were thirty-nine point eight football made a profit of 41.4 million dollars men's basketball brought in 11.4 million dollars men's basketball spent 6 million profit 5.4 million hockey brought in 4.45 million spent 3.9 made about $500,000 And last but not least everyone's wondering about the wrestling numbers, right? Wrestling brought in $1.5 million last year. Wrestling spent two, okay, expenses 2.35 million. Wrestling lost $850,000. So instead of creeping closer to zero, they actually went the other way and went toward a million in loss. Now, does that matter? No, it doesn't matter. I've to explain this. I've explained this a million times, but I'll explain it again. Now, you're going to see a story about the NCAA. Bloom- Bloomberg put it out. So, I'm reading the Bloomberg story about the NCAA, and they're talking about athletic departments. So many of them bringing in over a hundred million dollars. That's. That report is is wrong. Okay, now our our athletic departments bringing in over a hundred million dollars. Yes, Penn State brought in one forty four last year. All right, and Penn State spent almost all of it. That's the part Bloomberg didn't tell you. They are not getting profits. They're spending all of it. I'm talking about athletic departments. So if, when you read the article about a number of schools making, and then the word was making over a hundred million a year athletic departments. Right, that part's accurate. Okay, what's not accurate is they don't tell you how much they spent. Hey, okay? the key is profit margin. And what you do with it, well, Penn State's spending all, Penn State still hasn't quite uh, paid back the $30 million bridge loan. So they're you know, they using part of this to, to also pay that back. And then they take the rest of it, they pour it into student-athletes, facilities, and you want to have a rainy day fund. Right? You want a rainy day fund. For example, last year, last summer, all right, cost of attendance went into the summertime. Well, that rainy day fund made sure they had the money to pay it. And Penn State is one of seven autonomous athletic departments. They take no money from the state. Penn State takes no money from, from Penn State University. What they generate and what they spend is from them. And there's seven that fall into that category. Penn State's one of the seven. It's the model that they've had forever. And I'm reading the Bloomberg story about the NCAA, and they talk about the NCAA 1.06 million accurate for 1.06 billion accurate, and that they made 105 million dollars. Okay, that's fine reporting there, but then it goes to the next sentence, and in the next sentence it mentions that the NCAA, excuse me, that there are several athletic departments that are making over 100 million dollars, and that's not true, eh? Okay? Yes, Penn State. Was able to in revenue get 144 million, but they it doesn't. But an article with like like that would make you think that Penn State brought in 144 million. Well, they did, but it doesn't mention they spent almost all of it 139 million. And you've got to have some cushion in there as part of your rainy day fund in case something happens. They spend almost all of it. I mean, you know, okay, uh, women's volleyball. Okay, women's volleyball has great attendance. Russ has an awesome program. They lost one point five million dollars. Okay, women's basketball lost three point eight. So you got two sports here combining to make forty-seven million dollars. between football and men's basketball but it all goes away men's hockey does its part they make a half million but that's it and that and that's the part that when you're when you're talking about hey we're going to pay players from what where where do you pay players how do you do that To pay the players, they're making all this money off their backs. Okay, in theory, sounds good, but how? Now the NCAA—they got 105 million. I'm telling you right now, they're not spending all of it. It's certainly not going to Sean Morris's salary. We're have what Sean on next half hour, right?
0: That is correct. Right. Yeah, it's a little last second booking we were able to put together.
2: Oh, he was more than happy to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Charles Davis, one of the nicest guys on the planet. Uh, and then, because uh, it, it, Davis is one of the nicest guys like ever, and so is Sean. Sean's the same way. And, and then Joe Rudder. We got a lot going on here today. Get Andrew Callahan on tomorrow. I mean, we got a lot going. on. I haven't talked about Bucknell yet. Yeah, a little Bucknell's over four flying hours tonight. Yeah, a little
0: over four hours away till tip. So, well, to that this tonight. is
2: the this is the game we have been waiting for all season. Hey, okay? all season we've waited for this game because this is the one that gets them to the NCAA tournament. So I mean this is the one. And tonight they get to play it at home against Colgate, and this is a really a really good matchup. A really good matchup. I mean Colgate's a good team. Colgate's a really good team. And Nathan will be and Nathan's gonna be on the show tomorrow, by the way. And hopefully we'll have pleasant things to talk about. But this is, this is their moment. This is what we've been waiting all year for. And now it's upon us. Doug pacing back and forth. Suit pacing back and forth but doesn't know why. We'll take a break. Back with more in a moment here on News Radio 1070, WKOK. All right. Uh, big night for Bucknell. National TV, automatic bid great matchup with Colgate, but this is their moment. This is the one that they've been aching to get to. They have uh, Nathan brilliantly put together an outstanding non-conference schedule to make sure they were ready for Patriot League play with the idea that, you because know, he knows it's a one-bid league, and he knows that getting it home was critical and also facing great competition would get them mentally ready for the big games. Well, this is the big game tonight. They will play Colgate for the championship. The moment the suit is pacing back and forth of the Shikolomi gym, he thinks the game's there. But that's, I'm sorry, that's, that's, uh, I think that's sad. Yeah, very sad. Dick did go to the UMBC game last night with Hartford. Hartford fouled out all five starters. the lost. Uh, Woody Durham died today For last night West Durham's dad. Woody was the play-by-play voice Of North Carolina for 41 years 41 years Football and basketball Brilliant uh, Crossed paths with him a few times Over the years All in basketball, never in football And the first time I met Woody was 1991 He developed at, in retirement, in retirement, he developed a rare neurological disease where he lost his ability to speak and then eventually lost his ability to write. It's only 76 years old. You know, Bob Harris, the Duke play-by-play announcer, retired after last year's NCAA tournament. That means that today is the first time in 47 years. That neither Bob Harris nor Woody Durham will be announcing the ACC tournament. And they grew up together in the same hometown and played in the same Little League team together.
0: Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now, from the Sunbury Motors studio,
2: here's Steve Jones. Well, on the surface, that sounds impressive. But we have to go beyond the surface. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Humble's Wharf. I told... Sean Carey, our producer I said, look, I need to get somebody on here That doesn't lose any games I need to, somewhere And immediately we said, we gotta get Sean Morris <laughs> Never loses
1: Unscored How upon long?
2: Unscored upon, at least recently
1: yes.
2: <laughs> I'm not so sure Rich Falk would confirm that But that's alright
1: Hey, there's no there's no video footage That was way before that, Steve
2: <laughs> Sean uh, there's, it's obvious after watching the Big Ten tournament what were some elements that jumped out to you right away that were really important things that you saw
1: well just from a kind of a general oversight the, the tournament there Steve to be honest with you surpassed the expectations that I had going in there just as an event um, you know it made complete sense to go out there I mean when you added Maryland and Rutgers—it made all the sense. You—you you can't have those folks be outliers on the East Coast, but to see the the the, the crowd at the Garden, um, you know, the timing throughout the course of the year was kind of a concern. That everything compressed for for a, moved up a week ahead of time. You know, the the payoff at the back end was—you really had almost uh, uh, little to any competition in the college basketball world in, in terms of some of your higher profile games. I think that paid dividends. That was a really good event out there, whether, whether you know you and I are around uh, to, to see the next one, if it takes place out there, um, who knows. But the, the fact that they were able to pull that off uh, and the way that the city seemingly embraced it was really good, and, and the way that Rutgers played, I mean, certainly helped out as well. Um, and then just team-wise, uh, you know, I think Ohio State probably needs this break as much as anybody, um, you know, because the, the, the Nittany Lions in all three games, especially the last two that they played, I think really took it physically to the Buckeyes, um, and, and State College they kind of came out and smacked them in the mouth and put them on their heels. And then, you know, at the end of the at the end of the ball game, you know, some folks may say it was a foul, others will say it wasn't. But Shep Garner just took it away from Bates Diop. And uh, so I think that that's a team that that needs some rest. And on the other end, if you're Michigan man, you want to play again tomorrow uh, because of how well you were playing over those four days and the fact that you're you're still relatively healthy and. Have a tremendous amount of momentum, so um you know there's there were a lot of positives to take away from that event and uh, Michigan's play was certainly one of it um i I think that the way the Penn State you know fought uh, w- w- was really impressive as well and, and you, you hope that gets the credence uh, here in about a week or so
2: yeah we'll We'll find out on Sunday whether it does or not uh I think, in all fairness to the Big Ten, first of all, I thought everybody was a good soldier about this compressed schedule, no time off in the schedule, and the payoff was there. But you and I both know that they're never going to move it up a week again right. because they—they're not. That's the part that's not going to happen again.
1: Right. And and, and you know what? Uh, uh, they they really shouldn't. I mean, I think that to, in order to accomplish this, it was something that they um, you know felt like they needed to do. And uh, there, there's. Sometimes you have to give up something to get something, but it's been clearly stated that uh, unless the traditional window is available, they they won't go out there again, um, and and I I think that's the right move. But that being said, I think for the folks who you know still want to criticize the event after the fact, um, you know what, Steve? And they they weren't in that building. They weren't in that that's building. Right. They weren't in that building from Wednesday to Sunday because uh the the crowds were were very very good um, you know you heard some people talk about the crowds on Wednesday well guess what the crowds on Wednesday are going to be the crowds on Wednesday whether you're on the moon Madison Square Garden yeah. um Indianapolis or anything in between or the ACC uh but the way that that thing unfolded uh it, it surpassed my expectations and yeah. you know I I think that uh you know some of the some of the folks that might have been so quick to dismiss uh, they they certainly weren't at the event
2: Absolutely. In fact, they sold over 13,000 tickets for the Wednesday night session. I mean, that's right. you know, pretty impressive. And the weather on Friday was lousy, and they still had huge crowds for both sessions. So that, that was that was impressive. Uh, you mentioned Penn State in that answer. What do you think of, of, of Penn State standing in all of this? Because, you know, there's a couple that have them in. The majority have them out.
1: Yeah, I, I think that uh, I would... Probably lean right more uh, to the fact that they're probably out right now. Uh, I yep. think that they, they're they're going to need some help, Steve. I mean, they're they're going to need. Uh, I, I'm sure that they, uh, you know, along with folks at Nebraska, are going to be watching really closely what happens all over the country, but specifically the ACC. You know, yep. um, you know, you need to play, be a fan of of whoever's playing teams like Louisville and and Notre Dame and and Syracuse to a lesser degree and. You know, if you want to just kind of span across the country, um, you know, you don't want Oklahoma State to be Kansas a third time and maybe put themselves in a position. And if you go out further west, uh, you know, Boise State's a pretty good team that is kind of sitting there on that, on that proverbial uh, windowsill as well. So they they need some help. Um, you know, the three wins against Ohio State uh, are really impressive, um, you know, especially the last two to me. Just with, with uh, They they were pretty dominant in those games, even though the Ohio State game kind of came down to the end uh, at, at Madison Square Garden. But I, I, they're going to need some help. And, you know, when it's all said and done, uh, you can nitpick and look at specific times. But if they end up not getting in, you know, you, you go back to the Wisconsin game at home, um, right. you know, the, the Northwestern game. Uh, in Rosemont, where they were dominating for about 30 minutes of the ball game, you know those are going to be things that that really stand out. Uh, if they aren't uh, invited, I, I don't think worst case scenario, I don't think there's any way that that they're not uh, invited to the NIT. And um, d- d- depending on what some guys decide to do in terms of uh, maybe taking that proverbial next step, there's still a pretty good core there on which to build. And you know, getting that practice time and extra competition time, regardless of the venue, is it, it, you know is going to be pretty beneficial to them.
2: And by the way, you can you can opt to put your name into the NBA evaluation without an agent. Correct. No Wagner, for example, did that last year. There is nothing wrong with that. I think that's an intelligent step to make because at least you get an evaluation. You also may find out what you need to work on.
1: Yeah, and he's a great example of that, Steve. I mean, I you could tell by the way he rebounded this year. Uh, you know, he averaged about four rebounds a game last year, and you know that when he got into that draft process, they said, "Look, we we need to see you." be more assertive on the glass, and he didn't quite double it, but he got a little bit north of seven rebounds per ball game. I think it certainly helped guys like, uh, you know, before he got hurt, you know, Justin Jackson, I think it helped him down at Maryland. Uh, you know, it, it's a it's one of the few things, in my opinion, that uh, the NCAA has done that, that actually really makes a lot of sense. There's no downside for a kid, you know, to put his name in there and, and get a true evaluation by people who actually know what's going on, you know. Not not Uncle Clem, who might be uh, you know interested in, in, you know, you might be able to get him free tickets, right? I mean, you need right. to have somebody that's going to tell you the real story and give you something to work on. And, and for the college coaches, hey, you know, for those guys to put their name in, they can say the same thing to a player all they want. Hey, you need to work on this. You need to work on this. And then when, when an outside evaluator who really will in many ways control their next step and their future tells them the same thing, uh, that that's not a bad thing to have reinforced either.
2: All right, and that's the other part too. Okay, these are professional evaluators working for groups that are going to pay salaries. They don't want to pay salaries and ways to pick. They want the pick to have meaning because they want the pick to help them. So that's why the evaluations are blunt.
1: Right, and, and they need to be. I mean, and that's that's uh, what needs to happen. And, and I think that's a really good move. And, and there's no, there's absolutely nothing. Um, to be lost by, you know, putting your name in, going through the process, and, and getting a true evaluation, and then you might have a decision to make. And uh, you know, to, to me, I think Wagner figured out last year using him as an example. Look, um, I'm probably going to be at best a late first round pick, most likely a second round pick. Well, I, I can come back um, to a place that, that I, by all indications, really enjoy be coached by one of the best guys going and, and maybe improve my stock and have a good time doing it, rather than, you know what, uh, let, letting one's ego get in the way and saying, I'm going to come out. Well, as you know, Steve, look, the, the second round pick, you're almost in many cases better off being a free agent. You know, that, that right. money's not guaranteed. And um, it's, it's one of those things that I think there'll be a couple guys, you know, I'd, I'd be shocked if, if Tony Carr didn't explore the process. And, um, That's you right. Know, he should. I mean,
2: he should. Yeah, I think he should too. I think he should too. Again, find out. You know, you may find out something great, and you're on the path to something great, or you may find out that the path. If you delay the path a year, it's going to work out better for you. They'll right. tell you. Uh, how interested are you to see whether Big Ten teams in the tournament are well rested, rusty? Or there's been no change based on the in the uh, delay in games.
1: Yeah, that, that's a that's I think of all the things that were kind of concerning the coaches as you went around and talked is that you know how are they going to handle that because uh, that's it, even though it's a one off it's it's a, a, a unusual situation for Big Ten coaches to be in and honestly um, I think what a lot of these folks are doing you know it's a it's a fairly tight you know coaching community. Well, that's that's standard operating procedure for a lot of conferences. You know, especially the the, the teams that you know, like the Summit League last night. You know, that, that's right. nothing new for South Dakota. Now, you're not comparing apples to apples in terms of what you go through during the regular season, but in terms of how you handle that off time, uh, I think they can pick up some some tidbits there. And I I think that the four teams right now that you have to feel really good if you're in the conference about you know, regardless of what happens, are going to be in. I think they're all probably going to look at it different ways. You know, for a team like um, you know Michigan, they're probably going to use that at least initially to, to get some rest after playing four and four days. You know, if you're Michigan State, you almost want to kind of say, you know what, we're, we're going to use this time as almost like uh, a football training camp to block out all the distractions because you know they've had some some things with Miles Bridges. Is he going to be eligible? Is he not? And I think there was some carryover in that, and they can almost kind of retool that way. Uh, Purdue, I think they'll work on some wrinkles about how they're going to play. If, if teams play Haas the way they played them. you know, do we dive guys to the rim a little bit more? And then Ohio State, I think they're probably honestly, Steve, I think they're going to use this time to to maybe even as the selection Sunday gets closer, to ratchet up the physical nature of their practices because if if you, if you use the Penn State games as an example, especially the last two and the one in State College, really hops to mind. They they got punched in the mouth metaphorically um, and kind of got put back on their heels. And coaches aren't stupid. They see that, and I have a feeling that uh, they're, they're, they're probably going to be as physical a practice as any of those four teams are over the next few days.
2: It's the one time all year where you have to play so many consecutive games. If you go to any of these other tournaments, for example, you get a couple of home games and then you get back-to-back days. But it's rare when, you, until this moment where you have to play three or, in some cases, four consecutive days. This is what I noticed. I noticed that veterans like Dakota Mathias, uh, Shep Garner, Rachman, Wagner were fresh no matter what day it was. It was the kids that looked like they got tired. Carson Edwards, a couple of the Penn State players, looked like the kids were the ones who hadn't been through multiple strength and conditioning seasons. I thought that showed up in this.
1: I think that's, uh, and I would add this to it as well, is that the one thing that you mentioned about Matthias and Garner, they also know, look, this is our last go round. And, right. and you know what? I've been through it where, you know, there, that old saying, there is no next year, at least for those guys. And um, so they understand, you know what? Um, when I was a sophomore, this bump and bruise might have... Uh, you know, maybe go eighty percent in practice. I, I I don't I don't have a next year, and you can kind of see that with guys that they know that that proverbial clock is ticking, and they they don't want to leave anything out there because you know chances are you know that they may be making some money um, you know playing the game, but they won't be playing it in that environment with that group of guys and. For some guys, that clicks in 10 years after they're done with college. And with some guys, they understand it at the moment. And it it certainly was apparent that Garner understood that. I mean, he was fantastic in New York.
2: Yeah, he he was absolutely fantastic in New York. Well, congratulations. The undefeated streak continues. It's Uh, the greatest
1: scam ever perpetrated on the viewing public, Steve. And uh, I I never lose. Um, And as I've told you many times, I may not be good, but I'm always on time. (laughs)
2: <laughs> well, A, you are on time, and B, you are good. You know, I think the world of you. Thanks so much, Sean. Appreciate it, my friend. It's always a pleasure.
1: Same here, and, uh, you know, dodge that weather out there. I understand you guys are kind of in the path of it again, so hopefully, uh, um, you know, you dodge all that nonsense.
2: We're good at that. Thanks so much, Sean. Thank you. Sean Morris, BTN. Next half hour, Charles Davis, NFL Network, Fox Sports, Joe Rudder from Pittsburgh. Final half hours, we discussed the Le'Veon Bell situation. You didn't like the part. In fact, I understand the suit threw his phone up against the wall when I said the Steelers might cut him. In the market for a new phone. It's like, well, he wasn't getting any texts on that phone anyway except from telemarketers, so it's all good. We'll come back with more in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors. All right, uh, Charles Davis in the next half hour on the combine. I, I think we're not going to have Charles for long, right? Maybe seven, eight minutes, under ten, and we're perfect. Very nice. Yes, and then Joe Rudder, Pittsburgh, final half hour, uh,
0: nine and a half with Charles Davis, better than nothing. Oh, get that right. And every time we've asked yeah. him, he always gets back, and
2: we line it up. Just because so. goes back to what you yeah. said earlier. He's one of the nicest guys going? Who's also really smart and really good at what he does? Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, So, yeah, we mentioned the financial numbers earlier. Look, athletic departments, excuse me, across the board, Penn State's one of seven athletic departments that do not get state money and do not get university money. So Penn State is an autonomous financial operation. Okay. So what they bring in is what they pay people with. What they bring in is what goes to the student-athletes' facilities and so forth. You need to have a little bit of a cushion in there. They're still in the process of paying off that $30 million bridge loan, so that's part of this. So they ended up on the plus side by about $5.3 million. Uh, football ended up on the plus side by $41.4 million. Men's basketball ended up on the plus side by $5.4 million. This is as of June 30th uh, last year, the end of the fiscal year. Uh, hockey ended up uh, 500000 on the plus side. Everybody else ended up on the negative side. Women's basketball was down 3.8 million. Women's volleyball, for example, was down 1.5 million. And wrestling went down further, down to 850,000 in losses. They were up in the 400s before, and now they're down 850,000. They're trending more toward a million in losses. But that doesn't it's that's irrelevant. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I think wrestling is priced correctly. They are not gouging people. They're not gouging you to park, they're not gouging you for tickets. Uh now the perception is that when you see sellouts, the perception is you are making money from sellouts. Well it depends on how much the tickets are as to whether you're making money or not. There's no television deal, there's no radio deal. You know, so I know somebody has said to me before in the show, well, you know, ESPN televises the finals. Irrelevant. ESPN's money goes to the NCAA, and Penn State's, quote, expenses are covered to go to the NCAA's. There's no distribution of additional money to any of the participating teams except that they get expense checks. It's the way it is with a women's basketball tournament, too. I mean, because there just isn't an economic reality. But the economic reality doesn't matter. I want great wrestling. I want Kale Sanderson. I want national championships. And it doesn't matter if they make money. Now, do you want to do it with the expense? You're losing two, $3 million a year. Well, you're like, holy, you know. But selling out at least reduces the deficit there because there's, there's money in other spots that where you're making profit, where it's, it's made up for. So it doesn't matter if they're losing money. It doesn't. The only reason I even point the number out is there is a perception out there because of seeing sellouts, which is a perception I completely and absolutely understand. Well, they've got to be making money. No. Okay. Perception versus reality. I mean, yeah. Every once in a while, I'll get some smart aleck at some event saying, they ought to drop men's basketball. You know, you pour the money into wrestling. Well, how many sports you want to drop? I mean, you want to drop the sport that's making $5.5 million a year? I mean, everything works together. To make sure that everybody has an opportunity to compete at their highest level that's the part that is really important where it comes from doesn't matter where it comes from doesn't matter it doesn't matter that wrestling is losing closer to a million dollars than they had before that doesn't matter are they great? Are they winning? Are they well coached? Is the program being run right? Are they graduating? Yes, 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 yes and yes. All right? Were they you know, are they operating under a budget? Yes. All right? They've got other areas they can make up for it.